Oh man, what a beautiful Christmas Sunday morning. There grow our kids, so I better remind them as, as they go out. Uh, all you parents and kids, there is a present for under the tree for all of you uh, before you go today. So uh, you better get it after church, probably not right now. So hey, give our kids a big hand as they go. Way to go, kids. Also, uh, Lynn Norton and Pastor Almeida, who put a ton of work into those things. Thank you guys for all your work. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, give them a big hand. Uh, that's just a couple people that put a ton of work into this morning. So thank you for being here, being a part of it. Uh, I like to think of today, just like any one of your family gatherings, our family gatherings, everything is peaceful and set up just right. And then the kids come barging in with their toys and their noise and... Somehow it makes the whole thing even better, even though it adds extra chaos. So uh, if you're here for the first time, we want to say thanks for joining uh, our church family today. We believe you're here for a reason. And if I haven't shaken your hand yet, I'd love to say hello to you after church is over. Uh, a couple of reminders for you just as far as a regular tender of our church or if you're interested in what's going on. We do have church this coming Wednesday, uh, the 21st. We don't have it the following Wednesday on the 28th. So uh, we'd love to see you at 7 o'clock this coming Wednesday, but not the following one because uh, we won't be here that day. Uh, if you aren't familiar with what we do on Wednesdays, it's awesome. We fellowship uh, for the first 15 minutes. We have food and we spend time together. Then we worship, we study God's word, and we always pray together in some way, shape, or form for the last little while. There's stuff for all ages of kids, and we'd love to have you on a Wednesday um, we'll also be here at the normal times on New Year's Day. So uh, on New Year's Day, which is a Sunday, January 1st, we will be here. Uh, we will have uh, service at 1030. Uh, during the Sunday school hour, we're going to have donuts and muffins and coffee and juice. So you can come after staying up all night and partying. You can come here on Sunday morning. So um, even if you don't really do that, you can come. But if you do really decide to party all night, we would love to have you. Uh, we'll have juice and coffee ready for you. So That'll be uh, Sunday morning, January 1st uh, at 9.30. Um, and we're excited about all of it. Again, Christmas Eve next week, it's going to be uh, awesome on Saturday night, 6 p.m. Uh, tonight, and then you've seen it in the screen and you saw it represented in the skit this morning, we're talking about this word that we often hear about uh, around Christmas, this word, Emmanuel. Most of you, like me, you have heard that word every Christmas for as long as you remember. If you've been to church or you've ever gone Christmas caroling, you've probably sang this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But ever since the weather started to change, which was kind of early this year, but since the weather started to change and I started to think about what I would talk about around Christmas time and what we would center it around, that word and uh, what the word actually means, uh, they've kind of captured my heart. And I think the reason is because the meaning behind the word Emmanuel, God with us, it captures a little bit of this condition we have as humans. Because, you know, I've, we all have, every single one of us, we have unique and interesting hopes and desires and dreams. And the things that capture my heart and capture my attention, they might hold 0% interest for all of you. And the things that you love and you pay attention to, they might be so boring to me that I literally can't keep my eyes open. There's this uh, documentary that's been on recently. I suspect some of you have seen it because in the past 10 days, 28 million households, 81.55 million hours of it have been viewed. It's this documentary about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Is that how you pronounce her name? Meghan Markle? Something like that. 
So that people have this fascination with the royal family. And I remember a while back when one of them got married and it was like people stopped working and watched TV to watch this wedding. Doesn't hold a lot of interest for me, but it does for many of you. In fact, my wife's been watching it. This is how I know about it. My wife's been watching it, so in this documentary. And uh, she keeps saying to me, isn't it interesting to you at all? I literally fell asleep watching it the other night for like 10 or 15 minutes. There's a few things, though, that every single one of us, if we're honest, we would say that we want. One of those things we would say we want, that we want to know in this life, is that we are not alone. All of us, we want to be assured that whatever it looks like tomorrow morning when we wake, there's at least somebody who's going to be with us. I'm going to try not to talk at you too long today because we uh, had a lot of stuff happening. But I think this is one of the reasons, this idea of someone being with us, I think this is one of the reasons that, that team sports are such a draw for many people. This is why we stayed up until midnight last night watching Boise State play North Texas. Yeah. Not almost, uh, you know, Andy Avalos almost getting a fight with a guy 40 years older than him at the very end of it if you watched all the way to the end. Because the idea is, right, if you can just get the right team to go with you, then you're going to accomplish something that you never could have accomplished by yourself or on your own. Does anybody remember, I know some of you in this do, remember this guy named Barry Sanders? Remember Barry Sanders, right? Barry Sanders, most people would say the best running back in the history of the NFL. If you go watch Barry Sanders' highlights, uh, he is this freak of nature. Literally, he ran for over 2,000 yards in college, Oklahoma State. Then he was in the NFL. He went, unfortunately, got drafted to this team called the Lions. And even my son John knows the Lions are the worst team in the NFL. And they're not this year, but usually they are, right? And he went to play for the Lions, and this guy, Barry Sanders, he is incredible. He can make the first guy miss, and he can make the second guy miss. And the third and fourth guy, and the fifth and sixth guy, but a lot of times the seventh guy would get him. And he was so good. He gained yards, and he scored touchdowns, and he kept his team afloat, but they never put anything around him. He eventually retired early because he'd had enough. Go watch these highlights, and the guy... Looks like he is doing magic on the other guys. He avoids so many of them. I think he made the playoffs once or twice his entire career, and he abruptly retired. He'd had enough. Because you see, even the best and the brightest people on planet Earth, uh, they really don't get far if they don't have somebody with them. I think that's the reason that this word that we sing and we say around Christmas time, Emmanuel, I think that's the reason the word is so powerful. Because if you break the word down into two parts, uh, the first part in Greek, Emmanuel, it means with us. And the second part in Greek, E-L-L, means God. So literally, when the Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel, it's saying that Jesus is God with us. Similar to how uh, Lucas was playing the part of Jesus and he was with them. And didn't even know it. This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about Jesus. God with us, the author and the finisher and the champion of our faith. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the one sent from heaven 2,000 years ago to improbably become exactly what the word says, God with us. I have three quick things that I think God would have us remember uh, when Emmanuel is near. First thing is this, physical strength 
is no match for God being with us. Now, all of us, when we are going to undertake something difficult, our first impulse is to gather as much strength, muster as many resources, get as many people around us as we possibly can. But when we run out of resources and it seems like all hope is lost, the fact that God is with us is the only thing that needs to be known. I'm going to take you to one of the most famous passages, I think, in the Bible. Almost everyone knows about it, even if they're not a believer. Exodus 14, if you want to turn your Bible there, we're going to read a short passage here in a minute. There's all kinds of interesting occurrences leading up to this that we don't have time to read. We'd be here all day. It's a long and crazy story. But I want to summarize it for you a little bit, sum it up, set it up for you. The Israelites, you may know the story. They've been in captivity for hundreds of years in Egypt. In the preceding chapters of Exodus, the ten plagues happen. We know at the very end of those ten plagues, all the firstborn children in Egypt are killed. And right then is when the first Passover comes, where the Israelites are told to paint the blood on their their doorposts so their children will be saved. And Pharaoh, after all these plagues and all this time, he's persuaded to let the Israelites leave. He's had them in slavery for hundreds of years. But you see, God is about to show his people. He's about to show the Israelites exactly what it means when God is with us. In fact, God, once they leave, he's been guiding them with, you might know this, a cloud by day and a fire by night. Right? They would camp in the desert, and whenever the cloud would move or the fire would move, that's when they would move. And somehow they moved millions of people and followed the cloud with the fire. And God has led them, though, to the edge of the Red Sea. If you go read, they they take kind of this circuitous route because they want to avoid the Philistines and not get into battle. And we pick up the story in Exodus uh, chapter 14, verses 5 through 14. Um, We're going to read that this morning together once I get my Bible to the right spot. Put my bookmark in the wrong spot. Uh, I'm going to read to you this morning out of the NIV. Exodus chapter 14 is where we are. Here we go. It says this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he, he had his chariot made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that when he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pihoreth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Then we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Notice some of the things the Israelites are saying as they get close to the Red Sea. Keep in mind, God has miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. They've been in the desert. The cloud and the fire have been guiding them. God's providing food for them literally from the heavens. 
But it becomes apparent that the Egyptians have decided to pursue them after all. And we read the reason at the beginning of that. The Egyptians decided we lost all of our slaves. We lost our workers. We need to go get those guys back. And the Israelites, God has been providing for them. Did you catch those questions they were asking? Hey, Moses, did you just bring us out here in the desert to die with no plan? They're saying these crazy things, even though God is guiding them, they're saying these crazy things like, it would have been better to be slaves forever than to be out here. And these are the types of things, when I read this, these are the types of things people tend to say when they feel like they're alone. These are the types of things people tend to say, just like us, when we are in this life and we feel alone. We say things like, man, why did I take this job? Seemed like a good idea at a time, but why did I take this job? I got nobody around me. We say things like, why did I move here? We say things like, I know the Bible says that faith is the evidence of things unseen, but I feel alone. I feel all by myself. And you see, what the Israelites found out is that having God with us is better than any tangible resource or plan we can come up with. You know, we're pretty certain that there were a lot of people that followed Moses out of Israel. There were a lot of Israelites that went together. There were about 600,000 men of fighting age. We think around 2 million Israelites total moving across the desert. That's a ton of men for an army at any time, let alone in ancient times, 600,000 men. But remember, these men had been in captivity uh, for hundreds of years. They had been slaves in Egypt. They had not been trained to be an army. They would have had no real military training to speak of yet. They had virtually no weapons. And we saw there, as we read that, in verse 7, that Pharaoh, he brought along uh, 600 chariots. Now, chariots hadn't been around that long, but they were the most powerful weapons of the time. They would have had the best soldiers, what they would have called their elite soldiers, associated with them. And what all this adds up to in human terms is that it wasn't a very fair fight. The Egyptians had the best soldiers, the best weapons, the best everything, and they're pursuing these Israelites who hadn't fought in a long time. Which, you see, human measures, they don't always mean much when God is with us. And in our life, on this earth in 2022, human obstacles don't mean much when God is with us. And what Emmanuel, God with us, means is that we can rest in the fact that God will fight for us. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. You, you need only to be still. God will fight for you. And if we were to keep reading that story, I encourage you, go home and read it. It's incredible. If we were to keep reading, we'd see that Moses followed God's command and he stretched his hand out over the sea. It says the pillar of fire actually came between the Israelites and the Egyptians while Moses was stretching his hand out over the sea to keep them safe. And they crossed the Red Sea with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. All two million of them crossed safely. And uh, when the powerful Egyptian army, those 600 chariots and everything associated with them, when they went to cross, the waters flooded back in on them. You see, Israel, the Israelites... Though they had finally found their freedom, they didn't have yet much ability to protect themselves. But what they did have was the fact that they were God's people. And because they were God's people, he was with them. 
Friends, that's something that we can take to heart this morning. That when we feel alone, when we feel unprotected, when we feel like we may have made a mistake and we are out there on our own. When we feel like the car and the house and the bank account and the insurance plans, all of those things may fail us. There's nothing on earth so powerful as the fact that when we give our lives to God, he becomes God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Something else that God, I believe, would have us remember this morning is that when Emmanuel comes near, God's desire is to walk next to us. You know, something that's very interesting about uh, the time Jesus spent on earth, which we've actually been talking about as we went uh, through the habits of Jesus, and we'll finish that on New Year's Day, is that there had been this prophecy clear back in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before, and those who believed in God in the New Testament, the Jewish people, uh, they would have known this prophecy because they knew, like we've talked about, they knew the scripture that they had available to them. Religious people, church people, people that went to the synagogue, they made it a priority to know the scripture that was available to them. And they were expecting a king to come. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 9. This is a very famous passage we read around Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9, 1 through 7, I'm reading to you out of the NIV this morning. It says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us, the son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on, forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Of course, as God's people here on earth in 2022, we know a part of the story that they had yet to see, right? We know what we celebrate at Christmas is that the king was coming, but in the form of an innocent child. The king was coming to serve and not to be served. We, knew, we know that the king came as a little baby, so our interpretation of that passage is a little colored. But put yourself in the shoes of the Jewish people in the New Testament. They would have known uh, this this prophecy, and they would have felt like they were uh, in captivity to the Romans. And look at some of the promises contained in this verse. All the Jewish people wanted was to, be, was to be delivered from the Romans. But look at some of these promises contained here. Verse 3, it says, you have enlarged the nations. Verse 4, it says, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them all. Verse 5, it says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. Verse 7 says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. 
So you can see how if you were a Jewish person, a person who knew the Old Testament, living in the Roman Empire at the time, your expectation would have been for a military commander to come, for a great ruler to come, to rule with an iron fist, destroy everyone who's against you, to come and vanquish you, to fight for your cause, destroy everyone who is in opposition to you. The thing they didn't know and they didn't understand is Jesus didn't come to sit high on an earthly throne. See, most rulers, they stay far from their people, but Jesus came to walk with us. I read this interesting book recently called, uh, by N.T. Wright, this theologian, and it's called The Challenge of Jesus. And it's all about how Jesus, when he came to earth in the form of a human, he came to challenge everything that they knew. But it looked radically different than they expected. You see, the Jewish people expected, and what their hope was that Jesus would come, the king would come, and the Roman government would be destroyed. But instead, it was actually the legalism that had bound them for generations that Jesus came to bring down. And instead of coming from military conquest, Jesus came simply to walk next to them. And if you read the New Testament and if you go read about how it was, you can see what Jesus did when his earthly ministry started. He took 12 disciples and he walked all over the countryside. They weren't taking an Uber, calling a taxi, getting in their Tesla. They weren't doing any of that. They walked all over the countryside. They walked and Jesus taught. They walked and Jesus healed and they walked and Jesus served and they walked and Jesus loved. Jesus came just to walk next to them. And so often, we fast forward a couple thousand years to 2022, we spend all of our energy or a lot of our energy, we spend it worrying about the state of this world. We spend a lot of our energy railing against those who are against us. And sometimes we even say to God, God, can't you see what's going on? Aren't you going to do anything about this? Can't you see what's happening in the world? Can't you see what's happening overseas? Can't you see what's happening right in my backyard? Aren't you going to do anything about this? I believe what God would say to us today. He would say, son or daughter, I, I see and I know. But I came to walk with you. And sometimes, just like the Jewish people in the New Testament, what we want to see is our enemies conquered, but what Jesus came to be is the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. We want to see destruction and battles, but what Jesus came to do is to comfort us on our hardest days. Bring that peace that passes all understanding. Take a moment and remember uh, very, very early in the Bible what Genesis says about Adam and Eve. You don't have to turn there. We have it on the screen. But take a moment. Remember what Genesis says about Adam and Eve in Genesis uh, uh, 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. In the cool of the day. The very beginning of creation, even then, God had come to walk next to them. And just as God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, he came to walk next to his people by sending his son, Jesus. Sending his son, Jesus, as we've been talking about, who is fully God and fully man. Quite simply, Jesus came to be God with us. Finally, our last point this morning, when Emmanuel has come, 
we must remember the promise. One of the beautiful things I think about God's word is that uh, it's divinely inspired by God, but I love that God used humans to write it down. So a lot of these books we read in the Bible, you can go through stylistically. You can tell who wrote them just by how they're written. And therefore, each book kind of carries the personality and the style of the human who's writing it. And you might know this morning that the story of Jesus is written down in the four Gospels that begin the New Testament. But each account is different. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Because the person who wrote them down is different in each case. We're going to read one more passage this morning and then we're going to be done. Uh, It's from Matthew chapter 1. And we don't know that much about Matthew. We do know that before meeting Jesus, he was a tax collector for the Romans. What we know about that occupation is that tax collectors were some of the least least liked people in Roman society. Because what they were known to do was not only collect the tax for the Romans, but the way they made money for themselves is they added a little bit on top whatever they thought they could extract from the people, and they took it for themselves. So Matthew was also Jewish, but he was a tax collector. And he would eventually become one of those 12 disciples that walked the countryside with Jesus. And he also happens to be the author of the first book of the New Testament. In the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, here's what he writes about the birth of Jesus. We'll read some more of the Christmas story on Christmas Eve, but Matthew 1, 18 through 22 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Remember how we talked a few minutes ago uh, about how the Jewish people in the Roman Empire, they would have known that scripture that was available to them. And Matthew, as he writes this simple account of the Savior being born, understand he's the only one that writes this down in the New Testament. He understands something that we must understand today. And if you're here in this place and you leave knowing one thing, know this, that Jesus being born to earth was the tangible expression of God's promise to us. You see, hundreds of years before, Isaiah uh, prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14, just two chapters before we read before, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Like we talked about a few minutes ago, Most of the Jewish people in the New Testament, they did not understand who Jesus was or what he came to do. But Matthew, the tax collector and the sinner, and also the one who knew the Old Testament really well because he was a Jewish man, 
He understood that Jesus coming to earth was God doing exactly what he said he would do. That he would come down from heaven and he would become God with us. Well, it's so powerful to me because all over this room today, if our hearts could be laid bare, we'd see many, many lives uh, that are hurt or broken by a trail of broken promises. The reason for that is because all of us in our life have been promise breakers. And all of us in our life probably have had empty promises made to us. Because even the best humans on this earth will let us down. There's only one who didn't, and that was Jesus. But Matthew, in the midst of the Roman Empire, decades after Jesus had been crucified, we think he wrote this down, 60, 70, or 80 A.D., after Jesus had been crucified and he'd risen and he descended to heaven, he remembered the promise that God had made. That God had had Isaiah write down in Isaiah chapter 7. He remembered the promise that his God had made, Emmanuel. That he would come and he would be with us. And this morning, you know, amidst the celebration and before we launch into a week of Christmas parties and family traditions... We must acknowledge this morning that longing that we all have in common, and that is for someone to come and be with us. To remember that God wants every one of us this morning to remember his promise. That promise that he would send his son Jesus to walk with us. Can bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We're almost done. One of the other gospel writers, John, he says it so poetically beautifully later in John 1.14. says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And you see that question that every single one of us is asking from the depths of our heart. Is there anybody out there? Do I have to do all this on my own? Is there anybody out there who is with me? Well, the answer lies in Emmanuel, the Son of God, God with us, born as a helpless baby to a human mother, fully God, fully man, who experienced every emotion and temptation will ever face, yet went through his 33 years on this, on this earth without sinning. And he died a torturous death and rose again to defeat sin and hell. And the one who has come to walk with us when we choose to accept him into our hearts. And that's what we need to know this morning, friends, before we go, is that uh, no matter what it is we're facing, that Jesus became flesh and he made his dwelling among us and he walked with us. He came from the Father and he's full of grace and truth. So if you're here this morning, I'm not going to single you out in front of anyone. I'm the only one looking around. But if you're here this morning and you hear me talking about God with us, and maybe you knew God a long time ago, maybe you've never heard much about Jesus, but you're here this morning and uh, you feel him tugging on your heart. If you're here this morning and you want to accept Christ into your heart, you want to become a Christian this morning, accept uh, Jesus to come and walk with you, would you just raise your hand in this place so I can know to pray with you and pray over you today? 
Thank you. I appreciate that. We have a couple people that raised their hands. And uh, what we're going to do, church, is what we always do as a family. We're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to have you repeat it after me. And when you say this prayer, um, even if you didn't raise your hand, you were just agreeing with those who did. The Bible says when we say a prayer and we accept Christ that there's a celebration in heaven. So every single one of you in this place in agreement together, would you repeat this prayer after me? Would you say, dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Today, I believe in you. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I give my heart to you. Would you guide me? Would you walk with me the rest of my days? Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can look. We have three people that raised their hands this morning to accept the Lord. It's so awesome. Would you give them a big hand today? We're so excited. Um, you need to know this morning, those of you that raised your hands, if you meant that prayer in your heart, whether that was the first time or the thousandth time, that God hears you and God knows you. And he's holding your heart in his hands right now. And he uh, longs only to walk with you. Um, what a beautiful day. Um, if you said that prayer uh, where you rededicated your life, I have this book I would love to give you called Following Jesus. just talks about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, it's easy to read, meaningful. Uh, come find me. I would love to put one of these in your hands. And uh, thank you for coming and pray with you if need be. Um, it is a beautiful day to be at church. Thanks for coming on Christmas Sunday. Let me pray over you once more. Lord. Thank you for a wonderful day. Thank you that uh, it's wonderful because of who you are. Yeah, we enjoy singing the songs and we enjoy the coffee and we enjoy the presents. But Lord, it's a wonderful day, Jesus, because you're Emmanuel and you're with us. I pray that uh, for every person in this place, you would uh, walk right out these doors with them. You would let them know you're walking next to them, you're walking with them. Uh, would you wrap your loving arms around us for those that... Uh, prayed this prayer today and they accepted you into their hearts for the first time and they rededicated their life. Heavenly Father, I pray that this would be one of the best days they've ever had. Lord, that you would let their hearts be washed clean. They'd feel your forgiveness overtaken this morning, that their life would look different from this point forward. Thank you for your people. Thank you for who you are to us, Jesus. Would you keep us uh, just focused on you over this next week. We pray these things in your holy, in your matchless name. Amen. Amen, amen. Awesome, friends. Thanks for coming to church today. Remember, we'll be here Wednesday at 7 o'clock.